to My Side of the Fence, a weekly quarantine podcast featuring those neighborinos with the quarantinos, Trisha and myself, Caitlin. Trisha, how are you doing today? You know, Caitlin, I am doing pretty good. I actually ended up having to uh, just a regular old uh, doctor's appointment with my CF doc, my cystic fibrosis doc today at National Jewish. Uh, So that is... Very long day for us CFers. But other than that, you know, it's been a pretty, pretty good week. How about yourself, Caitlin? Not so bad. I mean, with the recent spikes up um, in Colorado of coronavirus and some of that increased scrutiny that's been going on about are we doing all the things we can to keep ourselves and everyone else safe? I can just say that, you know, it's been a lot of back to kind of those phase one actions for us in our household, really not going out much if we can avoid it, going, you know, at off times for groceries if we absolutely have to, but then, you know, if we're feeling something super fancy for ourselves, doing a no no contact delivery or a limited contact delivery, it's, it's been a little rough to watch some of the numbers coming out from across the country. And I know Colorado currently isn't as bad as some of those places like your Arizonas and your Floridas that Florida had like 15 over 15,000 cases this this past weekend. And that's the single highest spike that any state has had since all of this started. Um, so it's just been, I, I think for me, it's been kind of stressful knowing that that's the case and knowing that we have to go back to square one for a lot of this stuff. Absolutely. That and, you know, Disney got just decided... Let's open Disney World that same weekend. Um, but are they? Granted, I, so so with Disney World, I know Disney World's in Florida and Disneyland's right. in California. They hadn't gotten around to opening Disneyland yet. That's supposed to happen, I think, later this week. I don't. My understanding is that that's no longer going to happen though, because of they had just done Downtown Disney, I think, two days ago, opened that up to to limited shoppers, and then Gavin Newsom today basically shut California back down. And said right, no yeah. bars, no restaurants, um, everybody back to the very limited contact model, like no indoor shopping. And I think people were, you know, saying like, well, what does that apply to? Does it apply to outdoor malls as well? But my, my understanding is that the, the Disneyland reopen probably won't happen now. Have you heard any information on that? I haven't, but I, I'm not going to be surprised when it's not. The difference oh, between... The difference between like Disneyland and Disney World is Disney World is technically actually its own city. They actually have they their own like city rights. It does it count as a municipality? I see. That's where it gets fuzzy because I know they have their own zip code, but that like doesn't yeah. really mean anything. Right. That's true. Um, I I'm not a hundred percent if they have their own municipality, but like. It's also Florida, so who who knows? Um, with Florida Disneyland, is like the New Jersey of the South. Everything's legal in Florida. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I I like you said, since Newsom is just like nothing, not anything, no stop. Um, I don't think Disneyland will be opening this week, and if they decide to, I just. Don't think that's a good idea. I mean, also, if you're the kind of person who's prioritizing going to Disney at this point in general, what's what what happened in your life to make you be that way? But at the same time, like, it's a point of interest because I believe it was Shanghai Disney, which had been... Is Shanghai or Hong Kong Disney? 
It was Hong Kong. Yeah, that had been open for a little while, and they actually, um, after, like, I think only, like, 200 new cases in Hong Kong, they shut the entire park down again. Yeah. Which, like, good for them, because it shows that this is not, like, something that's necessarily that out of the blue to do. It's just that because in America, we have refused to shut so many things down, or we're trying to open so many things back up with no plans... Of course, the Disney Corporation is like, well, I mean, if if we can make money while we're here, then we're going to do it. But they do know that when they're pressured to do it in other areas of the world, they just do it. So, like, I just, it's fascinating as a case study with, like, only, what, like, eight parks in the world, like, what each one is doing currently. Uh, Yeah, no, it's it's fascinating. And, like, speaking of Hong Kong, too, with these only 200 new case studies, they actually have shut schools down again. Yeah. Again, that's an interesting case study if we look at what's currently happening in America of, like, let's just open the schools full-blown in August. And our numbers are completely escalating. Which is a fucking disaster because... It's terrible. I mean, we've even had in Colorado over the last few years, and obviously I'm not, like, someone who's in the public school system in Colorado, but even just, like, vaguely being aware of local news here for as long as I have that there have been school districts that have had to get shut down over the common like seasonal flu because there are outbreaks that happen at schools and there's not the infection control to even handle things that we do know pretty well. Also, Colorado is a big hotspot for (sighs) anti-vaxxers. The, the, the main (laughs) proponents of the tiny coffin industry. (laughs) Yeah. What do you get when you vaccinate your child? You get a, you get an adult. Um, So, I mean, that's the thing is that like, We know we can't even manage, like, the normal things that happen year to year, and the fact that, like, we, as a community, did the right thing, freaked out and shut down all the schools in in March and April uh, through the rest of the school year, and obviously it was done with the monitoring over, you know, the course of those months to see, hey, is any of this viable? And the answer was continuously no. That was the right call. And now we're in a position where... We're, we're just planning on sending kids back. And some school districts I know have sent out surveys to parents um, asking what they would like. And, you know, some have offered hybrid models where the kids go in like once a week for certain activities, but then, you know, do the rest of it distance learning. And it's, it's going to be a fucking disaster. I mean, we've seen, I think we've all seen online some of those briefs that have gone out to teachers about how to handle some of the specific things that go along with, you know, working during the pandemic. And one of the bullet points is like, in the event of a student death or a teacher death, here's a template to use to talk to your students. If that has to be one of your bullet points, this is a bad idea. (laughs) Well, I mean, this kind of shit and the whole children being, it's okay if children die thing has been a topic for, you know, almost... Like for for over twenty years, when Columbine happened, like yeah, more than twenty years, more than twenty years, like since since these these mass shootings have happened, and they're like, nope, we're just gonna send the kids to school, and you know, we'll figure it out. Oh yeah, let's be super clear that like Betsy DeVos and her ilk do not give a single shit about your kids, but yeah. that. You know, unfortunately, over the last 20 years, there have been plenty of different administrations who haven't been able to, you know, solve the, quote, you know, unsolvable problem of how not to get your kids shot dead at school. And 
frankly, all of the interventions that have happened have been piss poor. Uh, School resource officers are, the numbers show that they are not successful at intervening in anything. And in fact, all that school resource officers by the statistics have really accomplished is further stigmatizing uh, children from minority backgrounds and causing further division and targeting for those kids. Um, and really, again, that focus on those small infractions to make themselves, I, I don't know if it's, again, to make themselves feel like they're doing something or to have something to report so they look for these tiny infractions, but again, disproportionately affecting and hurting kids from minority backgrounds. Right. And that goes into the whole school to prison pipeline system too, which mm-hmm. is one of the big talking points for people that want to completely remove these um, these quote-unquote service officers from schools because they're not helping. They're hindering children's education. They're targeting, like you said, minorities and like black children and brown children. Like they're not helpful. And in the least bit, I mean, if we just look at the sh- the school shooting in Florida, not remember. Yeah, the, the school re- Parkland. Um, the school resource officer actually ran. Yeah, he away. literally ran away. Yeah, and he was armed. He was and armed, in, like, in six and a half minutes, you know. There were over a hundred rounds fired at high school students and, you know, you had a bunch of dead kids. I mean, these school resource officers don't do anything. They're worthless. They're uh, a drain on local and state resources. I mean, it's just completely outrageous to me that they exist. It's like a reactionary response, like, to these things that isn't helpful, just like how... There's the quote-unquote random searches at the airport that happened to Muslim people. And to be clear, I as a white lady have never, once in my life, been pulled over for additional screening. Never once. I've never either. At all. Yeah. Never not, not ever, not never. And like, my my husband's accidentally like gotten knives onto the plane. Not on purpose. But he's he's kind of a mountain man, you know? He's got pot, he's he's got the mountain man, but he's never been arrested for shit. Yeah, mountain man with a mountain yeah. man. Anyway, um, so it's just like it's just these reactionary things that that are not I mean, beneficial. And some to anybody of it's just downright than... silly. Like I, I went to high school actually in a, a freshly post Columbine world, and one of the interventions my school district thought was going to be appropriate was uh, that there would be no more backpacks unless they were clear, and so you know girls would. And some of the guys too, actually, they bought they they started marketing these clear backpacks that we all had to buy if we wanted to have a backpack. Yeah. And girls would take like boxes and boxes of tampons and just stuff the bags full of tampons and like squirt ketchup inside, <laughs> like all that kind of stuff. And like guys would do similar stuff. And I remember like oh my But you God. were allowed to carry a purse. <laughs> And so what I did was yeah. I got a side saddle messenger bag and I said it was my purse and I put all yeah. my school crap in it. And so like, it's this, you know, That's the so security weird. theater and all this nonsense, you know, as opposed to ad- addressing right. the real issue that, you know, these weapons of death that can again, mow down dozens of kids in less than 10 minutes or five minutes even. That's, yeah. that's not the part anyone seems to have an issue with. So, you know, that's cool. Yeah, it's not the guns themselves. No, it's it's not the, you know, like, it's not the guns like the Vegas shooter who, or like you know, the managed to kill the people that do this. and wound uh, oh, hundreds of people in, in the span of, what, like three hundreds. minutes. But, you know, yeah. that's fine. You know, because, because the AR-15 yeah, is, um, you know, modern day musket for an everyday citizen, according to the NRA. It's a, 
Yeah. No. So anyway, right. I don't know how we got on this situation. Anyway, we got on a tangent there. Uh, back to COVID and school. Oh yeah, uh, about how America Anderson, can't handle anything in schools. About... That's right. That's correct. <laughs> we we, we, we our were very schools close are just topic. so bad. Our, yep. uh, we were so close. Tay Anderson, who we've talked about the last couple episodes, uh, one of the members of Good the Denver Public School Board, uh, has he's a great freaking dude. If you're not following him, him on Twitter yet, you should go correct that mistake um, because he's hilarious. He's like he he's really like I appreciate the days when he has time and he's like, oh, okay, let's talk about why nothing that's happening right now is really working. Right, and like he's he's such a big proponent for not even op- not opening the schools till October. I don't think that's late enough, personally. But like, it's because we have so many people coming in. Like our our citizens, for the most part, are like trying to do the best they can as far as keeping the numbers down. And the numbers in Colorado have been relatively down uh, compared to all the other states honestly even compared to other states like colorado has been doing a pretty good job overall and i mean there's variables that go into that right like so you look at a lot of the east coast states with higher population density and you know groupings of folks that make it easier once an outbreak has started for it to spread rapidly in colorado people are generally more spread out even in the most dense of urban areas or, you know, an area like uh, somewhere like Aspen, that it's going to be relatively, at least far away from the metropolitan area, the biggest, uh, you know, issues you're going to encounter up there are the fact that they don't have the ICU resources right. to deal with an outbreak. Exactly. I mean, th- those are the kind of issues you're going to see in Colorado. But as a result, our numbers actually don't look terrible. Right, yeah. Which is something that we would like to keep up. Exactly. The only downside is, and I talked about, my, talked about this with my doctor earlier, is that we have all these people in the states that are surrounding us where their restrictions aren't like ours that are deciding to come and visit and like be a tourist in Colorado. Mm -hmm. And they don't seem to quite understand that like you're, you're still bringing in the germs. It's basically like putting a dirty air purifier into your air conditioning. Like, well, if you throw a dirty, dirty rag onto a clean table, you have a dirty table. Yeah. So like, our table is pretty dang clean. Like it probably needs a little wiping, mm-hmm. but uh, please keep your dirty rags and plates and dirty forks that have been in your mouth without a mask on, like at your house in your dirty house. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's we we had been actually. I think the the group of us had been talking about um, potentially like renting out some cabins or yeah. something, doing a weekend up in the mountains. You know, obviously like going in and cleaning uh, before we kind of set up any kind of camp for our weekend, yeah. because that's uh, something actually that a lot of people in Colorado have been doing since all this started to kind of get a weekend away. Because there are options in Colorado to like go out and be one with nature yeah. and all of that. And now, you know. And we did consider that to be the better option as opposed to like going to what could potentially be a population dense area or the more popular hiking trails right. down near the cities, um, Even which like a hotel. have seen some heavy, heavy foot traffic or using a traditional hotel. And it's like, even now, like as we start to see a little bit of a surge back up, it's like, nope, I guess that's out too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I guess we all have to we'll stay inside. <laughs> Just wait, because some folks just can't help themselves, I guess. Right. Um, like our Governor Polis said today, if you're a selfish bastard, or he said it yesterday, actually, but he said, if, so if you're a selfish bastard and wearing a mask to protect others isn't enough of a reason to do so, maybe wear it to protect yourself. 
But even that seems like a bit of a stretch for some people, so. Well, and I, I appreciated Kyle Clark was sharing some brewery signs <laughs> for, like, tap rooms that had opened either for um, extremely social distance service or for, like, pickup for growlers and stuff. And all of them are like, no racism, you have to wear a mask, this is non-negotiable, non-negotiable. you have to be a nice person, or you are not allowed near our establishment. Thank you and good day. Thank you, I said good day. <laughs> I said good day, sir. So I mean, like, stuff like that, where you see, like, the community is really trying to still... Because there's something to be said, I mean, I, I work in, in mental health, and, like, there's something to be said for wanting to have access... To things that make us feel normal and something like yeah like people that you know maybe like once a month or whatever like oh i'm gonna like go down to the brewery and pick up a growler so we can all enjoy it in the backyard while we grill like there's something very soothing about that and very normal for a lot of people especially in colorado but the reality of what we've been experiencing these last few months i think we've all been telling ourselves it'll just be a couple more months and then things will be pretty much okay i think we all have slowly you know over the course of time at, at least i hope so come to the conclusion that yeah we're not going to be getting to that anytime soon and whatever false sense of security you had even 2 weeks ago should not be something you're feeling now because it's just, you know, it's getting worse again. And honestly, like the past couple of weeks, I've heard of more of folks in my social network experiencing symptoms, including one who is in the ICU as of this weekend, when that was not the case several weeks ago. And I don't think any of the people in, in my social circle that have been experiencing symptoms, I don't think they were acting irresponsibly. Unfortunately, you know, for them, I think, you know, some of this ended up just being the fact that others refuse to participate in masking and doing appropriate social distancing. Yeah. So even, you know, again, that weekly shopping trip now that we had kind of gotten used to standing a certain amount apart in line, everybody wearing their masks, kind of staying away from that one weirdo who's not wearing a mask. Here we are again. Like now it's back to, you know, we have to shop on off hours or order in or order curbside. And like we can't have access to those things that make us feel more normal because enough of the, you know, the mass Karens and the mass Craigs have, you know, ruined it for everybody. We've all seen the videos of these people uh, freaking out because their First Amendment right, their, their, their American right has been tarnished. And it's just like, fucking come on like like at this point how 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 can you just deny it so vehemently like your your little president wore his mask so just put yours on like just freaking do it you know what's interesting too is that you know some people and, and myself included i've caught myself saying it you know saying oh these people must be must be crazy they must be mentally ill yeah. um, and the reality is that mentally ill people for the most part aren't doing these yeah. things um, mentally ill people for the most part are not screaming at people from cars and pulling guns on um, them, throwing tantrums in shoe stores or at Starbucks or wherever that the mentally ill folk for the most part are not doing that. Um, and there really needs to be a big distinction between folks living with mental illness and folks who choose to act entitled and terrible and or racist and or ignorant. Would you say, would you say they act bonkers? 
Yeah, I, apparently I say bonkers a lot. I don't like saying things are crazy because I, I find it to be needlessly stigmatizing. Yeah, it's completely um, fair. It's, it's a really good point. It's one, it's, and it's, 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 again, it's, it's not like a particularly impressive or noble thing for me, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's one thing I, I try to do just like in the way that you wouldn't say like certain words that have now been understood to be racial slurs in your general life that used to be things that people would say just like in slang or whatever. You know, that's just one thing that I, I prefer not to say if I can say a different word that gets the same point across. And apparently I just happened to say bonkers a lot. <laughs> and my husband and Trisha decided that that was, was something adorable. that they were going to continually point like, out about me. Not continually, me. just one night and right now. I mean, I, don't, I can't speak for Riot, I guess. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, uh, there's actually a photographer that I reposted his, his post from Instagram on my story about... Um, how he's had Corona twice now. Uh, he's from Tennessee, which is another hot spot. Uh, and he had it originally in like the the first outbreak, like the March April time frame, and it was the mm-hmm. very like the common symptoms. Like, and then he got you know he got past it, and he he still used the precautions of social distancing and wearing a mask. And he just kind of also assumed that he was like immune to it, but this like oh not this saturday but the saturday before last i believe he got it again um he he had but the symptoms were like tenfold this time so i think that's unsettling to hear is that like people obviously i'm not surprised people can catch it again that it makes sense from a like well and it's 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 a novel yeah and, and it's been mutating yeah exactly I mean, that's the thing, is that, like, if it mutates, yeah, you bet you can catch it again. That's why you can catch the flu every exactly. year. That's why they I like, mean, it's not the same flu even a year ago or ten years ago. Yeah. It's literally, like, constantly in flux, the seasonal flu. And the reason that we get a new vaccine every year before it's, quote, flu season is because it's already started in, like, China and Australia. Yeah. And it's, like, working its way around the globe to us. That's why, Which also, like, you know, corona. for all you freaking little baby epidemiologists out there who like to say that vaccines don't work, it's developed while it's still kind of, you know, bubbling on that side of the world and working its way over. So by the time it gets to us, yes, sometimes the vaccine that year is less effective than other years. That does not mean that you should not get a flu vaccine. That does not mean that you should just ignore vaccines yeah. or that you should think they're dangerous. No, stop it. <laughs> I'm going to bonk you on the head. Hold that newspaper. And you go sit, <laughs> you go sit in your corner. <laughs> think about what you've and done. You think about that. <laughs> you think about that bonk. Right. Know, speaking of vaccines, at least uh, we have some good news in Colorado, right? We do. We do. The uh, UC Health System. Uh, and there will be up to, I think, 15 sites, they said, participating. They are working on a vaccine currently that uses the genetic makeup of the virus. So not actually the virus itself. Like, I know most vaccines are produced that way by using a dead version of the virus. Um, and that's, you know, ultimately what you're injected with to to formulate that. But what they're, what they're working on is, like, the genetic makeup of it and seeing how that could be developed into a vaccine for folks. So they are going to, in the next uh, month or two, I think they said by the end of July or, or the beginning into middle of April, they will have recruited and started this process of test human testing for, I think, up to a thousand subjects. And then they will monitor these folks over the course of a year to determine whether or not 
they they get COVID, whether or not if they do get COVID, what the symptoms are and how severe and things like that. So that's super cool. And they actually are looking for folks that are immunocompromised and have possible comorbidities like obesity, diabetes, that kind of thing. And also folks who work in high risk areas like healthcare, like other essential kind of jobs, uh, whatever that may look like. So that would just be really cool if, you know, that would be something that was successful. I know vaccines normally take a long time to get approved, but this this one and I know several of the other vaccines that are being developed around the world right now are kind of on fast tracks for um, getting that through regulation. So it's just a really exciting thing that the Colorado CU, uh, UC Health System is is participating in right now. That actually came out on CPR this morning. They reported on it. Yeah, it's incredibly positive. It's a little piece of positivity that I think we've needed. Colorado is really big on medical testing and like being the guinea pig center of the world. Uh, I know from personal experience because I have done a plethora of medical studies, and I definitely uh, mm. intend to sign up for this one once the they open it up to the public for people to join the test trial. Hopefully, I get in on it because I just the way that I see it is since I've got all these medical issues, I might as well use them like. <laughs> with right. great power comes great responsibility and my great power <laughs> is death and my responsibility is to not die hey. <laughs> i don't know where i was going with that and not like we um, just make you a guinea pig for content like this is actually something <laughs> i mean that i you do would that do. anyway <laughs> it's something you do anyway i mean it's not just for content right, yeah um. and that's not that's yeah i mean that's not why we like scroll twitter for hours on end i hope not just for content. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes I look at nunchuck bears. Yeah. Or we look at the mummy. Did you see nunchuck bears this morning? Because they were incredible. I don't know. I've been trying to avoid cake. Um, I'm so tired of cake. Oh, cake is yeah. everywhere. Oh. You know, it's one of... So the, the thing, and Trisha is freshly back to the hellscape that is Twitter, but I've been <laughs> on it for a solid 10 years. And I can tell you that the meme cycle on Twitter is about 72 hours long, if yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it's closer to like 48 hours. You so like, whole day and you'll of see the hybrid memes. Yeah. The hybrid Ooh. memes that occur within like the first 24 hours. Right. So um, I think we're almost out of the cake cycle. I think it's almost <laughs> dead. The thing, cake here's the thing, is that once it, the, 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 the marker of if a Twitter meme is almost dead is once it shows up on Facebook. Yeah. It has died on Twitter. It is no longer fine. Right, yeah. Um, so I think we're hit. I, I've seen a couple cake memes on Facebook it's this morning. Trickling in, and so yeah, it, it trickles in. It's kind of. So, did you ever see the Devil Wears Prada? Yeah, I love that movie. You know when when she's explaining to Anne Hathaway, and she's like, "How did you choose the color of that sweater?" That scene. Yeah. And she's like, "Oh, I saw it and I liked it." And she's like, "No, you didn't. Mm. You didn't, mm. because five years ago." <laughs> There were a room of designers who decided that, you know, that season, that color of cobalt or whatever was going to be the color. (laughs) And then, you know, explains like the list of like things that happen in between and to make it to her like bargain bin sweater. (laughs) Um, And she's like, so, you know, in conclusion, like you did not choose that sweater that was chosen. That sweater was chosen for you you (laughs) over the course of like a series of hundreds of decisions made by people like us. And that is how uh, Twitter memes work. Oh yeah, absolutely. I like. I've seen. I've seen in the three months I've been on Twitter. I feel like I've seen so much more memes than I ever thought I'd see in my life. I, my favorite one is the one where it's um the like the handshake emoji, 
And one side it says 2007, yeah. and the other side it says 2020, and it says, the cake is a lie underneath. And I'm like, oh, that brings me back. Yep. <laughs> well, and it's funny because that's a hybrid yeah. meme. That is the simplified version of the, the, the picture from the scene from Predator yeah. of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers clasping it. hands. And the thing of it is, is that you actually need to like physically go right on that picture when you do it that yeah. way. But if you do it with emojis, <laughs> you can accomplish the, the predator meme without doing the predator meme. So Full again, circle. Miranda Priestly strikes again. Right? I like that's like that sweater was chosen for you. <laughs> it's like a three tiered cake of t- cake tweet because um, it also yeah. brings back the cake is a lie from. From from portal. from portal, like yeah, yep. so it's like blah, 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 blah. anyway, but yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what did you get up to this weekend, Caitlin? Aside from thinking deep thoughts about hybrid memes and uh, Miranda Priestly, you know, <laughs> right? That's fair. <laughs> I actually, um, let's see, I was on call for most of the weekend, so I was doing things and stuff, but also sleeping yes sleeping at odd hours and odd times that's come back again so that's back in our inside time cycle with the the inside times when time becomes more and more of a flat circle that's when you know your sleep schedule is about to get real messed up oh yeah um so i know i know some of my friends have set alarms especially those that are working from home have set like alarms on their phones to like remind them of certain like basic activities like you should eat now drink some water and I haven't had to do that because I actually, I mean, like, like, like we've talked about, I have, I have the privilege and despair of having to leave my home daily <laughs> uh, for work. And so I actually, like, do get, like, my steps yeah. in, which is exciting. And I get, like, usually my water. And, you know, I eat a meal <laughs> before I get home for dinner. Like, <laughs> usually I'll eat something. Yeah. That's usually questionable whether it's good for me or not. But, like... For the most part on the weekends, you know, it's when it all catches up to you and you just want to sleep forever. But we did stumble upon some some Disney gems on the Disney Plus this weekend. <laughs> we did. Oh, gosh. So in case you guys are somehow living in a bubble, Disney has a tendency to release sequels and threequels. So like m- multiple sequels. Of well, and there chains. was the sequel and threequel like boom yes. from like the late 90s through the early aughts where like dozens of these movies were produced right like Like, hand over fist like not the best animation whatsoever questionable soundtrack questionable uh, you know it's like it's straight to dvd slash blu-ray slash whatever it is now a lot of them are straight to vhs back in the day uh and we stumbled upon a gemstone you guys it's actually really great. It's fantastic. <laughs> so this one came out in 2007, so we're not going to put a spoiler alert on this bitch, so you're just going to have to deal with it. No. If um, you're not familiar with, like, the base story, like, spoilers for a fairy tale, you fuckos. <laughs> right. Like, what was wrong with you? Why didn't you get hugged enough as a child? Right, I mean- also, And or have stories read to you. Especially a movie that came out 13 years ago that was a straight-to-DVD yeah, movie. Yeah, the, the movie came out 13 years Come ago. Come on, y'all. So this one is called Cinderella 3, A Twist in Time. And it is a time travel movie. So if you're familiar (laughs) with, like, the Quentin Tarantino revisionist history (laughs) films, 
of like Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained. Boy, do we have a fairy tale movie for you. <laughs> Less gory. Um, <laughs> but, you know. Oh, actually, it's... though, there was that scene with the pumpkin that kind of got weird. Yeah, there's some questionable, scary stuff in that movie. Yeah. So, uh, if you rem- may remember from childhood, <laughs> um, Cinderella, the characters, you know, generally don't have a lot of. Uh, discerning characteristics outside of broad strokes right like the prince is handsome in a weird way because his face is just cream colored i guess i don't know like he doesn't have like facial features yeah Mm. he's kind of creepy he's kind of looks like a doll yeah he Um, is a himbo you know cinderella like she's sweet she's friends with birds and mice that's not much personality she's probably she's she doesn't have much of a personality except for like being a sweet person right the the most character kind of goes to the to the ugly stepsisters and the evil stepmother and the cat um, who have like the, the probably the most character development <laughs> outside of yeah like uh, Jacques and Gus Gus right. and Lucifer the cat mm-hmm. Lucifer um Lucifer don't sue me Disney I've um, been working on that voice basically. my whole life yeah right <laughs> so <laughs> so like this movie decides that in the first five minutes. They they spend the first five minutes reminding you that like the first movie ends with like the prince and Cinderella getting married and being extremely happy together, and they sing a whole song about how extremely happy they are. Yeah. And literally in the background, the evil stepsisters are like, "This is bullshit," <laughs> and we have to do dishes now, and that's unacceptable. <laughs> and somehow uh, they end up accidentally, kind of on purpose, stealing the fairy godmother's wand and going back in time and making it so. Uh, Anastasia, the pink ugly stepsister, the is ginge. the one who who magically fits the slipper rather than Cinderella, and it goes forward from there. It's it's a a lot. It's so much. It's <laughs> honestly, I again like I say this from the bottom of my heart of watching so many prequel or sequels when I was a kid. This is actually ridiculously well done. Like. I, yeah. the soundtrack was really good like i was incredibly angry at how good it, it was i know <laughs> it made me so mad um prince charming jumps out of two windows um yeah he has a lot of energy he has he actually like has a personality he's himself got, yeah he's he's got he's got a great relationship with his dad who is very supportive of this whole strange situation where he wants to go around putting shoes on girls feet and then like <laughs> proposing marriage to them because his dad's like, no, like, I'm totally with you, son. But, like, <laughs> at what point will you marry this girl? Because, like, oh let's God. just get this over with. Right? Um, there's a there's a particularly choice scene where Jacques and Gus Gus have found the prince. And they're trying to explain to him that he's been put <laughs> under a spell. And that that's not really the girl he danced with at the ball. It's actually this girl, Cinderella. And um, they, they both go to talk to him real fast, but like their voices are really high yeah. and they're talking over each other. So he's like, I don't understand what you're and saying. It's not like it's Cinderella like, who's talked to them her whole life. No. So they realize that the only way they can communicate with the prince is if they sing a coordinated song and dance number about the entire events of the movie leading up to this very moment. <laughs> and he just kind of like stares at them through all of this and then just goes, Oh, I get it. And it is the funniest thing. Like, that moment is so funny. It's so funny. It's so funny. And his father, like, he tries to run off and go, like, find Cinderella. We're, like, jumping way ahead in the story. It's fine. Find the real Cinderella, He goes to try and go find the real Cinderella, and his dad stops him in the middle of the staircase, and he's like, you are not, you are forbidden from leaving this, walking out this door. So he, like, looks over his shoulder, and he goes, 
Okay, and he jumps out of a window, like, Scooby-Doo style, yeah. and it was the most ridiculous- and it's, <laughs> it's not the last time that happens in that it's movie. Not. I just don't- What did we do to deserve how wonderfully silly it is? Honestly, like, Cinderella 3, I feel like, is the the blueprint for Frozen 2. And Frozen in general, but Frozen 2. Like, I feel like it was the it's blueprint. Got, you it's know? got big frozen energy. Like, uh, also oh, big tangled energy. That's true, yeah. It's like, there's a lot of Flynn Rider-esque scenes with him. There's a lot of uh, Kristoff scenes, like, vibes. And it's just, oh, you guys, honestly, like, go watch this movie. Because it's a hidden gem. Like, so well yeah. done. He's no longer just a royal mannequin. Yeah. Like, he's actually, like, a person. Like, we, and that's cool. Exactly. And Cinderella actually gets the chance to, like, you know, she's busy, like, she's standing up for herself. And she's like, I think these guys tried to use magic to screw me over. I don't agree with this! And, <laughs> yeah, and um, even even the, the, the pink stepsister, Anastasia, like, she gets a good storyline, which... Ugh. Frankly, I have an I have an alt ender ending to that storyline yes. that I think is better than what was in the movie, but I would let uh let all of you with Disney's Plus decide. And then tell us because like if you want to hear this, we we will probably end up discussing yeah. it next next week cuz I I'll I'll hold I'll hold my my bonkers <laughs> truly uh theory to myself for a week to give you guys a chance <laughs> to watch this film and then see if you agree yeah. with my assessment of what should have been the resolution to Anastasia's storyline right. because frankly I think she deserves better than what the movie gives her. Yeah. And I, I think I have an answer and yeah. you can come at me, Disney, that's fine. Yeah. I mean I do like that they tied it they tied it in really well with the second Cinderella movie, which was like a three story based sequel. Um they tied a lot of the point points in from that movie, which I was actually impressed that they even acknowledged it in the threequel because mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought they were just like pretend it didn't I don't know pretend it didn't happen or something like completely re- rewrite their own history again revisionist history <laughs> right I it again it makes me mad how good that was like <laughs> right I did not expect for, well I did not expect for it to be good at all same I expected for it to be hot hot garbage yes yeah and the fact that it was probably one of the better sequels I've seen in a long time out of the Disney Uvra was very exciting for me, yes. especially when, yeah, I have a media server full of sad adult movies. Right. Not like pornography, but like uh, sad movies for adults. You don't have sad a good, good crying porn? Uh, yeah, right? Uh, none of that just like laying around, I guess. Right, yeah, like um, that scene from American Horror Story season one. Uh, oh, the Christ-debating? debating. That's not your jam? Bill McDermott Christurbating out a window. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like halfway to Goofy. Like, uh, is that what we're calling it? That, was the, that, right was, that was the other option for us to watch the other night was an extremely Goofy movie. Yes. And Ryan was so upset when we were like, no, Cinderella 3. Yes. Cinderella 3. He also had some revelations that night. So yeah, I think he just wanted a comfort yeah, movie. Well. He didn't realize most of his movies you know, are about daddy issues. Blah, blah. Yeah, we're going to talk about the, it, right? the reality that no one stopped to explain to him was that a lot of movies are about daddy and or mommy issues. Yeah. And it's not just him. But because he was so personally taken aback by it, we just let him sit there and process that <laughs> um, as a person. So, oh, God. 
you know, that happened. It sure did. That happened. Yeah. I, you know, he can't afford my hourly rate, so I don't know why I was busy doing therapy over there. I mean, you also signed a contract saying, like, from to sickness and health or whatever. Oh, wait, no, I signed a marriage license. I was going to say, did we need to have a talk? <laughs> I mean, no biz, no, no judgment. Uh, yeah, same body. Same body. Um, yeah. So in stretching only does so much. Oh my much. god, I know. I've had this not f- fucking pinched nerve thing in my where my head meets my neck for like a few days now, and I just want to die. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, trying to to manage the fact that I need more massages in my life, and I am currently not getting nearly enough massages in my life. Right is. Is something that my body is not willing to reconcile at this time. Doesn't want to deal with it. I agree. I agree, <laughs> no. body. Um, but in local news, uh, there was a development with one of our nerd conventions, uh, NDK, which there was. Yeah, NDK, which is the uh, for- foremost Rocky Mountain, biggest Rocky Mountain anime convention, um, is also known as non Descon. Um, decided to uh, cancel. Um, they were under dispute with their hotel. They were going through the new uh, Gaylord by the airport. And um, it's a brand new hotel. It was supposed to be their first year. They There was a lot of back and forth on, like, what is our game plan? What can we do? And when are we allowed to just postpone this and reschedule? And they finally were able to actually announce that it is all digital this year being postponed. So it was a similar situation to the Dragon Con where like the Gaylord is such a giant contractor. Like they're such a big name, mostly not out here. This is, I think the first actual Gaylord that we have in Colorado, but yeah, it's, it's pretty intense. I think KatsuCon is, is at a Gaylord. It is. Yeah. Katsu. And it's also holds, I want to say not MegaCon, but there's like a couple different conventions at that hotel, but yeah. At, at at Gaylord Hotels, yeah. Uh, yes, sorry, thank you. I MegaCon is in Florida. Um, That's right. Yeah, KatsuCon is in the DC area. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah. I've always wanted to go to KatsuCon or well, whatever. KatsuCon is uh, is GazeboCon. It is GazeboCon. I just want to be in that building. It looks so pretty. Yes, very much. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to see. Now it's not so much about people saying whether or not they're going to cancel these events because very clearly most if not all of them are being canceled but the idea that like okay how do we get it canceled without screwing over lots and lots of people because i think what was happening when this initially started you know again it was that was right before south by southwest and what happened as a direct result of that was we saw kind of the devastation that was wrought against all the independent artists and filmmakers and musicians and even the servers and hotel workers who all of a sudden were like left in the lurch. And I think people in the subsequent months have been much more mindful successfully or not in their execution, mindful of the fact that when you go and cancel these events, there are repercussions that will impact lots of people. And so you either have to be, you know, you do ultimately have to be willing to accept those consequences, but how can you do it in such a way that it doesn't hurt just huge amounts of people? Can you do it in a way that people can still get their art out there, that people can still remain employed? What does that look like? And I think there have been attempts in in the subsequent months since the South by Southwest kind of debacle to at least try. And I think that's all anyone can ask at this point. 
Exactly, and there was a uh, somebody on the inside who uh, the information got leaked from Nondiscon that the hotel, if they weren't able to actually mutually agree to not have the convention there, with the ho- like the hotel agreeing to it as well, the cancellation fee would have actually bankrupt the entire con. Like that's how mm-hmm. giant their fee was, which kind of shitty on the Gaylord's part, but I get it it's business but now luckily they don't have to worry about that because they've all agreed like nah <laughs> like and i'm pretty sure that the the size of the crowd would just be too much too mm-hmm. um just based off of the ordinances we have that are kind of i think indefinite now for the most part like as far as like ga- large gatherings well and again i think those are the kind of things like having those ordinance in place are what is allowing you know organizations like ndk to not go under because Again, if if Governor Polis had said, yeah, these groupings together of people are totally fine, uh, the Gaylord would have been like, nope, the governor said this, we're going to hold you guys to your contract, you're going to fulfill it, and you're going to pay us. Fuck you. And that, you know, for for all the George Organson-loving libertarians in the room, is why government having a hand in managing pandemics and crises is for the benefit of the general populace because uh, very similarly to people being on unemployment right now, people being able to be furloughed or laid off and still be able to maintain like their homes. You know, the second you start saying, yeah, you can open up restaurants. Well, if servers are saying, I don't feel safe going back to work, guess what? Tough titties. Like you got to go back to work. But if you've got counties and municipalities and your governor stepping in and saying, we're not going to allow you to do this because it's not safe, then you actually have a leg to stand on that actually results in your populace not feeling completely suffocated by all of this. It's just, it's just hard when, like, when you're having to worry about, like, some people have to worry about where their meal is going to come from. Some people have to worry about where their housing is, what's going to happen with their housing. Mm-hmm. Like, all of these things. And it's just really, really sad that, like, especially you and I talked about this the other day with this thought of opening the schools up in August. There's some school districts that are giving parents an option on whether or not they actually want to send their child to school. And that is, when you're giving a quote-unquote option, not ideal. Because it's because somebody... No. And I mean, I've, I've said this in, in my work professionally, as well as in my personal life. If there is an area where you have brought in an expert to evaluate the situation, whether that's a doctor or a, a public health person, scientist, or an epidemiologist, and you're saying, here are all the facts and here are our recommendations. The recommendation being pretty universally from experts that kids should not go back into school in an in-person setting this year, uh, at least in, you know, at least for the first semester of the year. And then you're saying, turning around and saying, all right, we're going to go to the general population and, and giving them choice. The choice being to put their children and other children at risk yeah. or not. I mean, again, I don't understand the utility of giving parents that broad of a choice when we know it's not safe. Right. And then the choice, I mean, I can definitely see there being a utility and choice for how you want that distance learning to occur. Um, Especially given that a lot of parents are being forced back into going to work um, that were home with their kids either in the spring or over the summer. And 
it's not that we don't understand the burden of that. Like I've got a, a, a young child, not of, of school age, but I have a young child. Like I get it. Like none of this is difficult. There is, you know, I understand that I'm speaking from a place of privilege that I am able to manage that uh, without having additional help and without having to um, live beyond my means to do so. But at the same time, like our options should be, how do we want distance learning to occur in a way that is going to make sure that kids get fed because a lot of kids get their best meal of the day and sometimes only meal of the day from school. And we did address this in the spring because there were pickup places that kids could get breakfast and lunch uh, throughout the state, actually throughout the country. And there were all kinds of things set up for that. Um, you know, those kinds of initiatives need to keep happening. But ultimately, if you're consulting experts and they're giving recommendations and then the, the choice of the school district is to go back and ask the parents what they want to do. I, I don't understand. Why did you even bother asking the experts? Exactly. I mean, that's kind of the theme, too, of everything. Like, why are you bothering to ask experts and get them involved if we're just going to say, fuck it, and do everything that they're saying not to do? And I mean, with the schools opening and, like, giving these parents a pseudo option, I mean, if a, if somebody says, hey, my kid's in this school district and they are saying that I don't have to send them to the school so if they're trying to, they tell their work that they need to be home, like work from home, they're like, your work could be like, well, you had an option. So like there was mm-hmm. an option where you could either keep them home or send them to school. Like, right. And like we were talking about a couple of minutes ago, it, it adds that element to, you know, oh, well, you had the option to do it so that you sent your kids yeah. into school. So no, we're not going to let you work from home anymore yeah. so that you can like monitor their distance learning so there's just like a whole domino effect of things that are are impacted by these choices and if we pretend like they're not interconnected we're doing all of ourselves a disservice and we're putting more of the population at risk than needs to be for for what like it's just um it's just baffling i mean it's exclusively for money and it's just showing i saw a tweet about this i don't remember who or where or when but i saw a tweet that our cracks in this facade of america being such a great country and everybody's safe and free and blah 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 blah. all of that is just been that illusion has been shattered within this last i mean it's been going on for a long time for those of us that are aware of it but it's really coming to a head now and like well there are there are a lot of people out there who've who've maintained the, the American ideal yeah. in how they view the world and how they understand the things that happen around them. Um, very similarly to who otherwise reasonable people I know that when the the George Floyd protests first started saying, you know, I support protests, but I don't know if I support property damage. I think you should stop destroying things. You know, over the last two months, I've seen some differences in opinions, like as they've started to evolve into, oh, I see why no nothing got done before. Exactly. Nothing. That's why everyone's so angry. Oh, I get it. I get it. So we are seeing people start to change their minds. But the reality being that, like, there's a huge amount of our population that doesn't know or doesn't care to know that there are these systems in place that are, are set up in positioned to take advantage of the most vulnerable of us time and time again. And that's uh, precisely what's happening here with these school choice, you know, conversations. Yeah. And especially in Denver uh, public schools, um, 60 out of 220 of their schools do not have air conditioning. 
and a good popul a good portion of their population of children that are enrolled in these schools are actually homeless and they don't have mm-hmm. access to a clean home environment and they don't have access to health care and they don't have access to disease prevention and again it's just that individualism that is just destroying our country like the fuck you i got mine like mm-hmm. if if we just stopped that <laughs> just think like if we just started stopped thinking purely about ourselves and start thinking about the grand scheme of things then we could possibly have a much better world than we're living in right now covid could be not i mean not completely gone but it could be like it, our numbers could obviously we can't go back and fix it but our numbers could have been so much smaller if we just listened to the experts I mean, the reality is right now we we can't even go to other countries because other countries yeah. have shut their borders to us yeah. because we are considered the basically the scourge of the planet, which is a pretty embarrassing place to be in. And honestly, we should all feel pretty bad about it. We should all um, be embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, every other civilized country in the world has managed this and their citizenry has done what it takes to keep themselves safe and others. And the U.S. has just chosen to, you know, throw a big diaper baby tantrum. And here we are. <laughs> like, we're, we're all stuck here together, so why don't we just fucking fix it, you guys? <laughs> right? I mean, like you were saying of people, like, finally... I don't want to say this. I, I'm... I'm saying this, but not in the usual way, but, like, we're finally woke, you know? Like, people are awakening to these ideals of, like, there are people who are not good. The Um, the last couple (laughs) months, I think, have have opened some eyes that I have not seen opened previously, or people that weren't speaking out previously are starting to speak out, and, like, those are all good, encouraging things. Yeah. But the, the people who are actively not keeping us safe are are still being allowed to do that. Yeah, that is the unfortunate thing, but And that's uh, that's what, un- yeah, I mean that's unfortunately where we're at as a society is that like yeah. people can be more aware of these issues and it's great that they are, but until right. we see radical change, I mean the system stays the way it is, we all stay unsafe. Right. Well, I was going to say um especially in Aurora lately where we've had, you know, all these protests in honor of Elijah McClain, I actually attended one Yesterday, that was a car protest, which nice. was fantastic. Um, <laughs> it started at the Community College of Aurora campus up on the Lowry side of things. And it went all the way down around the municipal center and then back up to the campus. So it, there were thousands of cars. Like, nice. we, it was amazing. We were all going, like, driving in single file with our hazards on with signs taped to cars and people hanging out of windows and like people dancing with the signs and it was amazing because again like aurora like unfortunately hasn't always been the best at stepping up but right now we are stepping up yeah it seems like there's been a lot of protests lately and that you know they've been pretty pretty lively events and pretty pretty cool yeah and i mean this time there were no cops in sight which was considering how bar into aurora we went around i was impressed and like it was like driving down the road we were driving down chambers towards driving southbound on chambers towards alameda to the municipal center and there were these kids that were like 
on the other side of the road, uh, running down the sidewalk, like these three black children were just like drumming and screaming, and like they had their fists held high, and they were just like Black Lives Matter, and like there was just all of these things. There's this tiny little girl in a car that my friend and I were driving next to. And she saw me driving. She's like, thank you, like, for just being Aww. there. I'm like, well, don't, no, don't, and, like, that's not what I'm doing this for. But, I'm, I mean, I'm doing it for the younger generation so they don't have to deal with this. But, like, right. I, I don't know. I'm getting thanked for it. It makes me uncomfortable slightly. But that's a whole other topic. But um, one of the things that was talked about by one of the speakers before the actual I guess parade, uh, for lack of a better word, started, um, <laughs> was that Jason Rosenblatt, the officer that we talked about last week that got fired for laughing at the pictures his friend sent him rather than actually fired for alert, uh, murdering Elijah, he is now trying to appeal his firing. Obviously, the people in the city of Aurora are not having it, and they're, they're, we're, we're, we're going to keep up this momentum so that way we can make sure that he does not get, like, either rehired or changed to a I quit position, you know? Right. Because he shouldn't be anywhere near a police station again. So. Um, yeah, he was a terrible human being. And yeah. for, for several reasons. <laughs> for several reasons. You so know, I mean, the murder, but also, you know. Laughing being, at his being own a dick about he it. committed. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know... Other than that, like, I'm really proud of these. I mean, it's been, what, like 50 straight days of protests across the country. I'm, just because it's not on the news stations anymore doesn't mean it's not still happening, guys. But yeah, um, it seems like there's a lot of good positive things at least coming out forward, even in this mess. I mean, I'm hoping for for continued good times. I was talking to my, my one of my doctors today when I was at the CF clinic, and I was saying, you know, the first month was terrible and my depression was the absolute worst it's been in a long time. But for <laughs> some reason, I had a breaking point at the end of April and I was like, okay, well, everything's kind of in chaos. So now I'm going to try and like, now I'm going to be okay. Like, really, the chaos is helping me th thrive, I feel like, you know? Right? <laughs> it's like people people who have depression and anxiety, it's like, we're like, this is our time. <laughs> yes. We've yeah, been preparing have... for this. <laughs> I had to have my like moment where I was like, not good. And then I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. This is, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for whatever's coming. I'm battening down the hatches for as long as I need, but I'm here. Let's fucking go. Like, <laughs> but yeah. So at least we're looking at, I mean, unfortunately we are looking at some more upticks in cases, but it's starting to at least get slightly better for what our new restrictions will be, so. Yeah, I think we're we're getting somewhere. Yeah. It may not be obviously normal, like, but we're gonna be like, we're gonna buck the idea of normal. Like, let's just throw the idea of normal that we had before everything in the trash can. Because it wasn't working, guys. No, I mean, we, we just found out, not that we just found out, but there's <laughs> thankfully more and more people finding out that the world we had around us already wasn't super great. And we have an opportunity to take this garbage world and make it a little bit brighter with the flames from our garbage fire. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna light the path to our future uh, by burning the garbage fire behind us. Yeah, and we yeah. burn off the bad garbage and then we will be left with a shiny... Shiny can, fresh and new. 
fresh and new just for you. Shiny but and please chrome. don't put some poo in there. Shiny and yes. chrome. Uh, and then we'll drive our shiny and chrome trash can to Vegas. <laughs> Sorry, right, guys. We're, we're gonna do There's it. Some ASMR about Bennigans. Would you like to talk. order the soup today? How about some mozzarella sticks? Would you like some baked potato soup with a side of cash wrapped in plastic? <laughs> Would you like a Long Island iced tea? Our pies today are apple, cherry, and cigarette butt. (laughs) But that one is reserved for Robert Pattinson. Come at us, Robert Pattinson. (laughs) Oh, um, I'm not gonna do the. Uh, I feel like that's a little too um, provocative. A little All right, I'm gonna go watch the lighthouse in my bunk. I guess it's gonna get weird. All right, I'm gonna go watch Twilight. I don't even give a fuck. I don't even care, yeah. Twilight with the commentary. Yeah. Oh, so the cigarette butt pie is actually just like a cigarette holder. Like it's just a, like, <laughs> just for him to take it to the bathroom. But like, it looks like a What pie. are British people like? Mince pie? Is that a thing? How about a mince pie and a cigarette? How about a mince pie? Yeah. Ashtray. Probably some alcohol. Just for you, Robert Pattinson. Nothing but the best for you, buddy. Do you think he's a bourbon or a whiskey guy? Both. Probably a whiskey yeah, guy. Probably together. a scotch guy. Don't you Probably think scotch? Oh, there it is. Scotchy scotch scotch? Scotchy scotchy scotch? He drinks, Anywho. like, weird Japanese whiskey that, like, he did a commercial oh, yeah. for once, but now, like, he has, like, 17 million bottles of it. Yeah, and he doesn't want to waste it. I feel like that's peak Robert Pattinson, and he'll I eat it with like- SpaghettiOs. <laughs> he would just be like, well, I have to eat- I have to drink it with every meal. Yeah. I don't know what you're telling me. Got all my, my SpaghettiOs <laughs> and plain chicken breasts to train for that man. And <laughs> gotta be literally- real fucking weird about it. The crate of... Random Korean vodka. <laughs> sure. Well, it tracks. I think I think that brings us to the end of our week on this side of the fence. Um, oh, we've goodness. crossed over into our weird David Lynchian territory, and we need to get off the internet. <laughs> Toot sweet. Um, the podcast, like I know a place, and I take you to a Benigan's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have a great week, everyone. It's been delightful. Uh, it's been a Bye. time. Bye. Bye.